Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Viewpoint. I'm really excited for the talk today. It's with two really great people and just a really good chat. You know, like you have those conversations from time to time that just really make everything just make sense. You know, Rumi said that you need to respond to every call that excites your spirit. And quite honestly, today was one of those talks. It was, it was absolutely fantastic. And I really think you guys are going to get a ton of value from this talk. Uh, before we start, I would love it if you guys could share this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, everywhere that you get your podcasts, share it. I'm trying to grow this audience um, and day by day, episode by episode. We're just getting a little bit bigger and it's thanks to you guys. So just thank you so much for your support and enjoy this episode and let's hop into it. Hello and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Viewpoint. I'm your host, Kyle Leonard, and I am very excited today because we are sitting down with not one, but two people today. And it's just, it's going to be a great conversation. Uh, and I'm really excited for you guys to take away something that you can apply to your lives and to your passions and just understand more about the world that we live in. So today I'm sitting down with Donald Kerr and Steffi Luna, and today we're going to be talking about finance. And it might seem like not the best subject, but but it's actually super interesting. And there's a lot that you can take away uh, to apply to your real lives. So if you guys want to introduce yourselves. Um, sure. I'm Steffi Luna. Uh, I'm a junior at the University of Pittsburgh, where I study finance and econ. And I'm Donald Kerr, where I'm also a junior at the University of Pittsburgh, and I study finance, econ, and legal studies. Ooh. There we go. I'm changing it up. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what do you guys like about finance so so how did you kind of like get to where you are today well honestly I think the furthest I can think about when I started the idea of finance was when my dad uh, he's an accountant by trade but he does a lot of, of personal investments and would always teach me growing up so probably about the age of 13 14 I started to think behind like, what is this like mm -hmm. what are stocks what are honestly what are uh, yeah what are funds and um, you know that's where I started when I was younger um, and just, just to know that he loved it doing what he did as an accountant, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's outside of his actual scope of work, but yeah. he still found a lot of joy in it. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I started to find the same joy. Yeah, definitely. Um, so originally for me, uh, I was from Argentina. My family and I immigrated here when I was a child and mm -hmm. my understanding was just, we came for a better life. Yeah. Not much beyond that. And when I was around in high school, I started to ask more questions. Why did we leave? Mm -hmm. And I learned about the economic depression that was going on in the early 2000s. Yeah. Made it so hard for my parents to make a living. And finding out that finance and econ and these concepts of inflation, currencies, changed the trajectory of my life. Like yeah. I, the rest of my family is in a different country because of that. Yeah. Then I like that was where I needed to mm -hmm. learn about this. It was yeah. so impactful to me, and I didn't even yeah. know it. So that's mm -hmm. where it really started. Wow. That's super fascinating. And like the thing that I, I think was so interesting about both of that is like there was something that always clicked, you know, like and I think that's what happens a lot with passions is like you go throughout your early life and you, you start to experiment. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people lose as they grow older is they lose that sense of curiosity and, and the idea of like, oh, OK, like I don't really know what's going on with this, but I know that if I start just kind of screwing around with different ideas that I might find something that I truly love. And I think it's it's so empowering to hear how people kind of start their passions. So I, I think that's great. Um, so that kind of answers the question of how did you get interested, um, but, but why do you think it's so important to you and why do you think 
I mean, obviously it was something that you wanted to hear more about, Steffi, and, and kind of learn and, and find the background about it. Um, but Donald, like, why do you think finance was the thing for you? Well, I actually didn't think it was the thing for me for a long time. Um, although I started when I was 13 or 14, uh, you, know, you know, picking it up and enjoying to see what my dad with, did with personal investments, mm-hmm. I, you know, I thought I was always going to go do law. I came to um, you know, the University of Pittsburgh because I wanted to pursue law, uh, but you know, I needed a major, I needed to, mm-hmm. something I was interested in. I already had the interest and love of, of investments, but mm-hmm. I didn't think I'd end up you know, following a career in that. I, I figured that you know, what I would do is um, you know, I do, you know, I do law and then, you know, do what I, my dad did. He was an accountant mm-hmm. during the day, but you know, on the first other time, you really enjoy investments and that's where I thought I'd end up. Yeah. But you know, mm-hmm. as you were saying, just kind of screwing around with things. Yeah. Um, like this past summer, Stephanie and I both attended, um, you know, an investments course, um, brought to by the, the CQA and, you know, I didn't even realize what, you know, what mm-hmm. the future, what the future holds. Yeah. Um, and all the possibilities that I can do and change I can, you know, I can drive. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like, like finance is such a, and I, I guess I shouldn't limit it to just finance, but, like, the business world in general, like, they always talk about how it's constantly changing. And, like, when you start to really dive into it, it couldn't be more real. It couldn't yeah. be oh, faster with everything that's been going on. Like, what, four or five months ago, Bitcoin was, like, everything, mm-hmm. and now it's kind of died down. And Donald, I see you smiling right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know I have a lot of talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. We, Separate we podcast for crypto. <laughs> <laughs> Next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll come Tune back for week. another episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I just, I, I think that, like, finance is something that a lot of people, like, talk about in a, in, a, in a broad and sort of surface level sense. But once you start diving into it more, it gets really fascinating. So what, what was the thing for you guys that, like was the first kind of like part that you latched on to like finance is so broad you can do investments you can do stock trading stuff like that but what was the one thing that kind of like made you coming back for more right so in my freshman year there was this club the stock trading pit now it's mm-hmm. called panther equity yeah. that i knew right away based off the name i was going to join just because yeah. i wanted to learn about finance and didn't know anything about it coming mm-hmm. in and also there's it's still like this completely a boys club like I'm the only girl and I was like okay this is gonna be what it's like let Mm -hmm. me just get used to it now as a freshman and like now I'm on the executive board that Mm -hmm. club has been so critical for me where it's completely um, focused on equities Mm -hmm. which obviously like I want to learn other asset classes but solely focusing on our portfolio learning Mm -hmm. about the markets doing research pitches it's honestly I love the club I love Mm -hmm. everyone in the club and for me to look at inter- uh, internships, I thought, how can I do this in a job? Yeah, and that's definitely. where I found like sales and trading, mm-hmm. which is like the most um, transferable for mm-hmm. those skills. Yeah, absolutely. So for the people listening that aren't like too finance adept, like can you break down sort of like what that club does for you and sure. what how that translates? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're a long only virtual portfolio. So you can think of kind of like a hedge fund where okay. we're broken up into different sectors. So. Mm-hmm technology sector, things like mm-hmm. Apple, Google, yeah. things like that. Um, retail sector, Starbucks, TJ Maxx. Mm-hmm. We, when we see a company doing well and we want to buy it, mm-hmm. the uh, students in that sector will pitch it, why yeah. it's a good buy. Mm-hmm. And like myself on the executive board, we vote. Yeah. And um, if we want to take them up, we'll buy it and mm-hmm. it'll go into our portfolio. Now we can track our progress. Nice. So yeah, we've had really good returns. I'm, mm-hmm. I couldn't speak more highly of the club. Like yeah, I love it. that's awesome. Yeah. No, that's super interesting. And I think that's, sort of like the best way to start to get into what you want to do and like it like it's almost like 
it's like the bike with one training wheel. Like you're really going for it, but you're not fully there. But it's like as soon as you get into that business world, you take that other training wheel off, and then you're just ready to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Donald, is there anything sort of similar to that for you, where you've kind of found anything? Well, you know, everyone has you know the the idea and the the, the concept that a lot of business is bad. And I feel like with our generation, like Gen Zers, really want to drive change in the world. Mm -hmm. And one of the, you know one of the best ways to do that is through business. Um, so despite you know having you know a background in investments already, um, one of the reasons I also really do enjoy finance is it's it's the art of money. It's it's a way I can figure out how I can create a business um, that would solve some social issue. For for instance, mm -hmm. this summer um, I did did a little bit of work with um, one of my good friends from Boy Scouts growing up. Um, he, he started a company where, uh, you know, he, I, other than a little background, uh, uh, I live in a very, well, the city I live in is a very bad area. Um, it's just because it's so small and so, and so tight that it's tough to really uh, find, you know, the, good, the better parts of, of it. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of vacant homes, a lot of drugs, a lot of gang violence. Um, and so there are about 1,700 vacant homes, you know, that could easily solve, you know, problems of housing for people who are struggling with homelessness or struggling with mental health disorders. Um, and he, you know, he and a couple of his friends uh, growing up from high school, um, you know, came up with the idea that they wanted to better the city themselves and do it through their own, you know, entrepreneurial activities. Um, so they started this, this organization that basically takes these homes, these vacant homes, you know, sets them up that they're able to be used um, and livable. Um, and then, you know, Takes them off, takes them off the city's hands, and then uh, sells them off to these organizations, such as NAMI, like the National um, American Mental. Uh, oh, I forget the afterwards, but yeah. uh, but but NAMI and some of these other organizations, um, more local, like Horizon House, um, that you know, are looking to take houses that you know are livable, that you know, you know, people struggling with those disorder, those disorders and and homelessness, and you know, families they just want to get back on their feet, but they want to escape kind of the. Uh, the rough times of you know where I'm from, you know, mm -hmm. it, that's just how business can help. Yeah. That's how you can solve social issues, you know, through finance, through the art of money. It's not greed, you know. Mm -hmm. We're taking in this. We have this income, and we're trying to figure out a way we can use it to drive change. Yeah, because if we really break it down, you know, what is society? What's society without money? Yeah, and it's tough to see it without you know thinking about it as greed, though. Yeah, and that's the biggest challenge. Definitely, and I think there's like stripping that back and looking at like the greater context of things there's so many initiatives uh, that are kind of trying to put a better spin and a better connotation mm -hmm. on the whole world of business like we take business ethics classes for a reason you know like we understand corporate social responsibility the idea that we're supposed to be acting in the best interest of not only the company but the society that we're around and, and everything that we're kind of serving um, and if you look at a bigger scale too you see like I forget the, the name of the, the organization, but it's like, I think it's like the 10 or something like that, but it's like the 10% of the richest people in the world are gonna donate 90% of their uh, wealth before they pass away. Mm -hmm. and, and there's like, without initiatives and stuff like that, like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, stuff like that, there's or, so many different things. Yeah, and if you look at Andrew Carnegie, um, you know, a man who's been seen as being, you know, kind of a tyrant you know, throughout his career, uh, yeah. he wrote a book and I was, I just got it on Amazon actually, and is going to read it. Um, you know about, you know how he, you know when he had all this money, he got all this power. He was competing with Rockefeller. Mm -hmm. um, he did a lot of bad stuff, but he thought that 
through his own a- you know, through his own actions that he could you know figure out a way to change and give back and yeah. you know sort of make amends. Mm-hmm. Um, some people may see it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. into the city of Pittsburgh. It's yeah. just his name is everywhere. Oh exactly. yeah, yeah. Carnegie Mellon University. Yep. <laughs> Carnegie Library. Everything. Carnegie Music Hall. <laughs> Just everywhere. And I think that's, like, that's sort of the upside of things, like, making amends, you know? Like, we're all human, we're infallible, like, we make mistakes, we're not perfect. But I think in the, in the world of business, that happens all the time. Yeah. Wells Fargo, huge business, made some mistakes. But their new branding is like, oh, reestablished 2018. So we'll see where they go from there, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. When I, I think the, the biggest thing that people have issues with is transparency. Yeah. Um, and, and Steffi, we were talking about this before, actually, there's an investment firm that is all about right. radical transparency. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to talk about sure. that more, because I think it's super fascinating. Yeah, so um, I attended this conference uh, not too long ago where I got to meet recruiters from Bridgewater, which is a hedge mm-hmm. fund um, founded by Ray Dalio, who's mm-hmm. very big in the world of finance. and. What makes the hedge fund Bridgewater different is they practice radical transparency. That's mm-hmm. their—that's how they denote their culture. Yeah. And in speaking to people that work there, learning that they record all of their interviews, they record all of their meetings. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what everyone makes. It's yeah. extreme to some, but then you think like if it's helping them progress. Like I, I honestly see it as amazing. Yeah. No. And definitely. like <clears throat> the the employee that I talked to, he said after every meeting I can listen to everything I said like it's so helpful so yeah. it's an it's a new wave like it's obviously mm-hmm. not the norm at like yeah. companies that we've like worked with but mm-hmm. very interesting yeah. no I think it's super interesting it's like and and especially in like the the business climate that we're in like with Facebook and privacy issues mm-hmm. and and everything that's going on with that transparency is, is key so it's definitely interesting to see how it progresses over the years and yeah. how technology has helped aid that and stuff. So. Well, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing how private companies take that transparency to, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of information that we don't know because you yeah. know, they're private yeah. for a reason, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, public companies, uh, they have a lot of, you know, government regulation that, you know, has to be seen. All mm-hmm. the numbers, you know, when they release their 10Ks, you, know, mm-hmm. you, you got it. You have to know. Yeah, uh, for know, people that don't know, 10k. So it, it, <laughs> it's just an annual report summing up, um, you know, what the company's income statements, their balance sheets, you know, mm-hmm. what is happening with the company, the direction. Um, just trying to figure out, you know, where are the numbers coming from, where are they going. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's a simple summation. Um, you know, it gets it gets a look into um, a company's activity throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, breaks down. You know, you know. Different act, different actions, you know, that they yeah. made as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like with public companies, there's there's a lot of essentially what you could call progress reports. You yeah. know, like they're telling you what we did. It's like it's like going home to your parents like after a long night. Like your curfew is like midnight, and you're home at like eleven fifty nine, and they're like, okay, so what did you do tonight? Also, we live across the street. This is transparency, radical transparency. <laughs> uh, we live across the street from a fire station, and currently they're backing the truck up into the fire station. So if you hear any noises throughout this podcast that sound like a fire truck, it's not overdubbed. That's raw, transparent <laughs> fire engines. What this a segue. Yeah. This is brought to you by the fire department of, of Oakland. Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> um, so getting back on track, uh, I think one of the things that, that you get to kind of learn over the course of life and over the course of careers and stuff like that is you kind of learn principles and, and lessons uh, that can be applied. So what do you think uh, are some of the like best experiences that you've had with finance so far? I definitely think my internship this summer dealt a lot with, you know, 
personal investments, so or not personal investments, personal finances. So we did a lot with credit cards, as well as um, you know personal loans. And we, I had a lot of connections with, um, you know, the actual clientele. You know, hearing, you know, we did a lot of, um, you know, ops work like through, uh, you know, uh, with with the recordings of their calls into uh, into our service centers, um, where they talked about, you know, they said. Hey, you really helped me, you know, get back on my feet. You really helped me when I was, you know, no one else trusted me, not even my family. And it's mm-hmm. it's weird thinking of, you know, um, where you think that businesses, and a lot, especially the loaning, um, mm-hmm. just debt in general, is always sort of an entrapment. Mm-hmm. But um, there's always a way to handle it well, and there's always mm-hmm. a way for it to benefit society. Yeah, that's why that's why the company exists that I worked at. Um, you know, I want to give too many details around, but. Um, their entire goal was to get move away from predatory lending or payday loaning, which mm-hmm. really sucks in people who are you know who are hurt and need help, and they and that's just a way to further damage society. Yeah. Um, but that's why by business and change exists. They started up in 2013, um, you know, to solve a problem that you know was you know plaguing, especially you know where I am, where where already is you know hurt by a lot of misfortune, a lot of poverty. Um, you know, these people just need to get back on their feet. So yeah. why are we locking them in, taking twenty percent of their their weekly income, yeah. or all of it in some cases, mm-hmm. um, and just settling into some interest rates that are through the roof? You know, there's an opportunity to make change in business, and you know, my experience this summer really you know, just shows that you know business is here to help. Yeah, definitely. can be, but it can also be you know in the wrong hands can be used to do a lot of damage. Absolutely, which is where the mistrust comes from. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, if you think about the entrepreneurial mindset, it's all about, I have this issue that I need to solve. And so this is the way that I'm going to go about doing things. And I never think that, okay, I would like to think that there's never bad intent. And I think that intent speaks to the culture of a company and how things are run. Um, And so it's, it's great to hear that there are companies out there like that, that are helping people get back on their feet and helping them to be, you know, like the better version of themselves. Yeah. Kind of to, you know, couple with that, a lot of, um, you know, business has a lot of power. You know, money is power in most cases in society. Yeah. And that's, mm-hmm. just, that's just how the world works. Um, take it for whatever you may. Um, but having, you know, that kind of power doesn't need to be, or, or misuse of that power does not need to be, you know, you know, explicit. It could be by omission. It could be um, just by doing something wrong that you think you're helping out. Mm-hmm. You could look at, for instance, you know, um, what we did to Africa and we, we try to make amends by doing, you know, social responsibility by just donning them rice and just donning them goods and services that we're just giving, we're just giving them mm-hmm. instead of, you know, teaching them how to, you know, teaching a man how to fish, you're, you know, yeah. you're just giving them the fish. Yeah. They had their own economy that was working fine. They had their own rice plantations that would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they set up themselves, you know, they would have, they would have been fine. They would have been, uh, they, they faced so much econo- economic distraught, you know, just because we tried to help and just because we mm-hmm. thought we were helping. Yeah. Um, and it isn't necessarily the intention that was bad. It's just we thought and just made yeah. a mistake. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, like, that sort of due diligence is so important, and it's definitely a cornerstone of finance. Um, do you have anything that, like, any experiences that you've had within the financial world, Steffi, that you think have kind of like changed things for you, have affected you in in a positive way? Right. I would say kind of similar to Donald, I saw a personal side to it Mm -hmm. with going back to how finance is so much broader than most people realize is that this summer I interned on a private banking team. So private banking is focusing on um, ultra high net worth clients. So people Mm -hmm. with more than like certain millions of dollar thresholds that want help investing. 
And so I looked at like financial advisor work mm -hmm. and the investment side there. And you see that you're dealing with money that people have worked to create on their own. Yeah. This is their family. This is mm -hmm. the money that they want to retire with. Mm -hmm. So you can't be self-interested. Absolutely. It's completely different from being on a trading desk where you need you have different priorities and different thoughts in mind when it's someone's life in your hands. Yeah. So um, very a personal side to it, and it does come into play when you look at risk and you look at yeah. um, their time horizon, things mm -hmm. like that. It's a completely different perspective. So um, I really enjoyed it, mm -hmm. um, and I got to see so much more than I think I was expecting. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think with with finance in particular, there's so many lessons to be learned, but that's balanced with sort of the unpredictability of the market. Yeah. Like, you can, you can live by a certain set of principles, but you never know when life is gonna smack you in the face, you know? So, ha have there been any important lessons that you've learned in finance? Anything that, like, looking back on it's like, oh yeah, I should have done that, or this is something that I sort of live by. Do you have anything like that? Hmm. I definitely think, I know I seem young, uh, I'm junior in college, but yeah. um, honestly should have started, you know, my own, you know, I guess, personal investments when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I'm 20 years old, but uh, um, for instance, you know, if I started just some four years later, just got interested, you know, for mm -hmm. instance, in cryptocurrency, that could be one that's, that's pretty relevant to everyone today. Um, you know, I know friends who were so interested in cryptocurrency during high school um, that when it got big, they made a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> Back when it was worth absolutely nothing. And mm -hmm. they're pretty rich. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's not the, the own drive, but it's, you know, I wish I got to learn more. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, you know, at the end of the day, we're still just kids. Um, mm -hmm. But just starting younger um, would have made my, you know, my life completely different, honestly. And yeah. who knows if I even still be interested in finance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, way to think about that. And quite honestly, like, in the context of life, you know, humans are living longer now. We, we yeah. have a, a higher quality and length of life. So we're still pretty young, I would say. <laughs> so, like, I, I remember in a math class in high school, my, my professor, no, teacher, sorry, uh, he was telling us about um, how you have to invest now. He's like, if you take anything away from this class, yeah. 20 bucks a month, put it in your bank account, mm -hmm and just keep going with that. And we started to learn about like the time value of money and compounding interest and stuff like that. And it's a general thing that I think every like pre-calc class will teach you about, but it's huge. Um, so that was, that was probably the lesson that I learned is, is just start trying to yeah. have your money make money, you know? Have you learned a particular lesson, Steffi, that you think is important? I would say very much to just be intentional. Yeah. Um, because if you're following the markets, you're going to see how cyclical it is. Yeah. And there are trends that you can pick up. So if you start early, if you start mm -hmm. younger than our age, there is so much that you're going to see repeat itself and yeah. you can move with it. And mm -hmm. yeah, the more you're investing, the better. It's oh, yeah, definitely. How do you guys, I mean, obviously, we, we're starting to learn more and more, but I, I think that we still have a lot to learn. Uh, how have you guys handled the idea of risk within the world of finance? Like, for for people that aren't too aware, of, do you guys want to kind of describe what risk kind of involves and, and how people tend to try to mitigate it and and try and deal with it? Yeah, I mean, risk is what it is. Uh, what's the chance of you losing your money? What's the chance of you making money? Um, mm -hmm. You know, they go a couple. They go hand in hand. Um, if you want risk, there's an upside, but mm -hmm. 
if you don't want risk, there may not be that same upside. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's tough breaking down risk since it's it's all so broad, but mm-hmm. at the same time it boils down to that, you know, that simple just, you know, mm-hmm. what do you want out of it? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Steffi can talk a lot more about this. Uh, I would just say risk is uncertainty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because you don't know all of the information that's going on in the world, there's always uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And w- I think we can't focus on risk without the return side of it yeah. because as your risk goes up, your return's going to change. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of that balance that you're going to have to walk. Um, I mean, it's like uh, it's, you can risk, risk, uh, wow, what words stumbling over? Um, yeah. Risk is applicable to everything in life. Like it doesn't just have to be what's my portfolio risk. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it could be if I go outside today, what's the chance of me, you know, getting hit by a car? I was, yeah, that was morbid, but um, <laughs> there's there's always like risk in every single yeah. thing. Yeah, there's, exactly. there's always chances of things going well or going badly. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. Yeah. Company information with mm-hmm. stock prices. Absolutely. And the reason why I asked that question is so that we could draw that connection to life. And I think mm-hmm. that for the people listening, it's important to know that, like. If, if you're trying to get to a certain part of life, like if you see people with the idealized, and this is in air quotes, idealized <laughs> version of success, um, they didn't get there without that risk. You know, Steve Jobs dropped out of school, yeah. did a ton of drugs, which I don't condone, but it, like without those ideas of conventional risk, he never would have, you know, maybe found Steve Wozniak and then decided to make computers in his garage and then start Apple and stuff. So I think that for, for the people listening, risk is not something to necessarily be afraid of. It's something that you can kind of have a working relationship with and, and sort of be like, all right, well, I feel like I'm comfortable enough yeah. taking risks today. And then kind of just understanding like that there's a difference between risk, like riskiness and recklessness right. yeah. and, and walking that fine line to kind of pursue what they yeah. want to do. Oh, you, use, you use the right word there with really comfortable. Nice. That yeah. was nice. Like, your, your risk is what you're comfortable with. Yeah. If you want to bring it into our portfolio, um, do what you want with your money, all right? Mm-hmm. I know my friend um, the other day sent me a text, um, you know, asking how he should, he wants to start investing. So he, want, he was like, yeah, what, how, what do I want to invest? Like, how do I invest? You know, what, what can I do? And so I, I gave him, you know, what exists, you know, I gave him the platforms he could use. Um, what he wants to do with his money, but at the end of the day, he didn't understand, or he didn't know what he wanted. He didn't know how comfortable he was. Uh, he was with his risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, figure out what's comfortable. You're comfortable with. Yeah. It's okay to be a little greedy if you want to have more risk. There's a higher upside, mm-hmm. but just be mindful of what your risk can. You know what your risk can have. What your risk can do to you, and yeah. if you take in the world of investments, what the risk can do to your money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One of like one of the things that I've always heard that it's kind of rung true for me is like never invest more than you're willing to lose. Yeah. You know, like exactly. Absolutely. And I I think that's I, th- I think it's huge. And like my mind keeps going back to the idea that like finance is so, so many parallels to life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like like you you always you guys were talking about intent and and like if you want a certain life and if you're trying to pursue your goals like your actions have to match to your ambitions. You know, like, it, like you can't want to be like the best doctor that's ever lived yeah. and then watch Netflix four days out of the week and just, you know, kind of like sit on your couch, you know? Like you, you, gotta, yeah. you gotta understand where your goal is and you gotta like make your way towards that and take that risk and understand that there's, there's work and there's effort and there's due diligence that goes along with it. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just super excited. Cause like, it's, it's so fascinating, like the idea that like this whole 
world that revolves around money and that has this sort of like sort of bad connotation of greed is is it's it's life Take it for us. I think it's what ninety eight percent of countries have capitalism as their you know set of their structure of their society. Yeah. Um, You know that's not a pro or a con for uh, um, for capitalism or Mm -hmm. uh, or for your country. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it's that just shows that business is life. That just shows that. Yeah. Name me a day where you don't interact with business, whether it be a product. It's everything. Yeah. actually yeah. is everything around yeah. revolves around money yeah. there's not really anything we can do about that uh-huh. so I think it's best to embrace it yeah, yeah. and <laughs> um, then it can work wonders for you and so. if you if you want to change it business is a great uh, vehicle to do so yeah definitely um, so kind of going along with that knowing all that you know today where like where would you tell other people to start if they were interested in finance you know like obviously we still have more to learn, but like looking back and being like, oh man, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Where do I start? What would that be for you guys? I think both of us are very investment focused, so yeah. mm-hmm. we both probably wish we started there sooner. Mm-hmm. But yeah, finance is so broad and there are a lot of facets mm-hmm. to it and every company needs finance. So yeah. we both had that initial mentality that can't really yeah. go wrong. Yeah. But investment specifically is where for me, I can see that impact that I saw when you're looking at companies, you're looking at current events, and mm-hmm. everything is tying together in the markets, yeah. I'm feeling like I'm actually making a difference. Yeah. You know, not mm-hmm. really as an intern, but I'm, I'm, I'm there where yeah. impact is happening. And Definitely. as someone that like wants meaning in my life, that's mm-hmm. where I saw investments really yeah. being a vehicle for that. Mm-hmm. And same thing, business is everywhere. Just what, what do you enjoy? Think about mm-hmm. what you like. Go yeah. outside, take a walk. What, <laughs> what interests you? Think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could be... You know, right now you could be a nursing major and you could have um, you know every you know intention to go you know into medical school but doesn't mean you can't you know if you want to pursue finance there is a realm of finance strictly based for you know, the healthcare industry yeah. or for um, you know if you want to be a, if you want to be a, um, a surgeon I know I, I forget who I was talking to about this one of my professors um, but the other day they, they taught a um, they taught a class uh, on like, like on you know just finance in general, very basic mm-hmm. understanding because she uh, she was teaching a, a bunch of surgeons that wanted to know more about finance and more about business because well they're a surgeon they're going to be running their business of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to pr- want to pursue you know an occupation in the world of finance, mm-hmm. but you know it ties in a lot with yeah. you know, whatever you like to whatever you like to do. There will always be an opportunity. Yeah, that fundamental understanding of finance isn't necessarily like a requirement but it definitely sort of elevates the position that you're at you know like yeah it's it's just another tool in your in your box of, of living and pursuing what your passion is you know or like look at michael jordan where he turned what five mil oh it was kobe it was kobe or michael jordan i think five million to 194 yeah yeah it was kobe yeah so he invested yeah, kobe, in yeah. like a power body, sports body armor yeah. yeah yeah so it was like a power sports drink company whatever and he turned a five million dollar investment into a hundred ninety five. That's this, ridiculous. This wave of basketball players being <laughs> yeah, involved. Yeah, LeBron with Lotza, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. He was with. I think he was with Blaze. No Blaze. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he also invested in Liverpool. Yep. And oh, turned yeah. like a three million dollar investment into like a like a twelve or fifteen. I don't know. Something like. Obviously, this is life, you know. Like, and and talking about pro athletes. I was watching this documentary. It's called Hard Knocks. It's mm-hmm. all about yeah. all of these like professional football teams and training mm-hmm. camp. And 
there is this player on the Browns. It was the season that they were covering. Uh, his name's Carl Nassib. And there was a scene where he's teaching all of the linebackers how to invest. <laughs> and he's teaching them, like, like all of these financial literacy basics. And he's like, all right, if you had a million dollars today and you get 7% return on that <laughs> and you keep investing and you keep putting in, like, $100,000, which to them is chump change, which blows yeah, my mind. I know. Um, if you keep investing that day, like, month after month, whatever, year after year, you're going to end up with, like, $64 million by the time <laughs> this happens. And, it, it, like, it's... It's crazy because even people that you wouldn't necessarily think are financially driven mm. can incorporate it in their lives. It's something that is a it is its own sector, yeah. but it's something that is so personal to people that any like any person can get into. And on the downside of that, actually, um, if you think about all these scandals of insider trading with professional athletes, um, for example, Phil Mickelson is probably the the big headliner, but. Um, one more recent with Michael Kendricks, you know, former Eagles and former Browns linebacker. Um, it's just you don't understand. You don't. You might not know. It's it's the idea of omission, the idea of not knowing. Um, it's not the explicit. You know, you're doing something bad. It's just that you don't know you're doing something bad. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really causing you know people to you know, go to jail for ten years and lose all of their money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and finance being everywhere, business being everywhere. It's just understanding and being mindful of it mm-hmm. absolutely I just I still it blows my mind that Kobe like and it's the idea of risk again like yeah he's like yeah there's a small company five million dollars no big deal I'm comfortable with losing this right right yeah. and then it just had the greatest return but at the same time he has other companies invested in yeah. so it's taking that risk and mitigating mm-hmm. it by you know Diverse. diversifying yeah. his portfolio of companies yeah that's a cool thing to <laughs> yeah to say just have yeah, to, uh, never put all your eggs <laughs> in one basket right yeah exactly and yeah. uh and i guess that's you know you can apply it to life in every situation i know yeah, right. i personally um you know going into school um my idea was to i guess to diversify my portfolio a little bit um of what i want to do in the future so if i ended up not wanting to pursue law um like i'm sort of teetering on now um, or not getting into law school down the line. What I thought about is here's something I'm already, in, uh, I'm already interested in. I could make this into mm-hmm. you know into an occupation if if I end up you know straying from wanting to do law. Yeah. Were you about to make a finance pun by saying this is something I'm invested in? Mm-hmm. I did. But <laughs> I, I wanted to avoid that. Steffi, what about you? What do you think about? Sort of like the idea. Well, not specifically athletes, but the idea that how like finance can be playing a role in everyone's life. Yeah, I completely agree. I think even to the point he made before, if you're interested in the healthcare industry, mm-hmm. there's bio the biotech sector. There's oh, yeah. if you look at like a trading desk, yeah. you have people that were formerly doctors mm-hmm. now because they have this elevated understanding yeah. of what goes mm-hmm. into um, a technology company or a healthcare company yeah. and can provide that different insight. Mm-hmm. So my what I would say is that nobody should feel like finance isn't for them. Yeah. I think no matter what you're interested in, yeah. you can probably invest in it mm-hmm. or at least learn more about it into the way that you could be, I'm losing my words. You um, just have an understanding of mm-hmm. Like the financial side of it. Yeah, exactly. Like every industry has a financial side of it. Every Absolutely. sector um, relates to like companies across that field. So yeah. it's really for everyone. Yeah. Another thing on top of that is, you know, how many people are saving for retirement? How many people are trying to save for school? You know, yeah. school is expensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, starting young, you know, 
saving for college is you know one of the goals that you know a lot of parents try to put um, and do for their kids because they're invested in their children. Yeah, they want. I'm going to use the word invested again. Yeah, go, go for um, it. Go for it. I can't think of another word right now, but <laughs> they want their kids, they want to invest in their child's future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can only benefit from financial literacy. Yeah. Financial literacy can never hurt. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. another thing is just trying to be mindful. If A lot of times, um, you know, some of the calls when I was working at the... Um, um, well, personal finance company this this um, this past summer is um, there are these like deep contracts with words that you'd have to go to law school to understand in some of these oh, other yeah. places. Um, a lot of get government regulation as you know helps with that and you know helps it you know more understandable, more reasonable. But if you're dealing with people who can you know barely speak English um, or don't have the strong grasp of you know giant words or words they've never heard of. Um, you're just hurting them more and just take them from both sides if you're the one who needs help yeah and if you're the one um, who needs help and if you're the one who's trying to help just be mindful that you know financial literacy can completely destroy or completely help someone's life yeah definitely sorry i was i i gave uh, donald the keep going sign only because like the next question that I want to talk about is it, like, so it's what are the three most important habits related to finance that you guys have? Um, and something that I just learned recently was Warren Buffett, probably one of the most successful investors of all time. Uh, he has these really weird habits um, that relate to the market. So I'm reading it right now. It says, when I'm not feeling quite so prosperous, I might go with the 261, which is two sausage patties, and then I put them together and pour myself a Coke. Um, but like when the when the market's high, I'll go with like a 317, which is a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. Uh, but the market's down this morning, so I'll pass up the 317 and go with the 295. So it's the weirdest financial investing habit from the most successful financial investor. Like... Is there anything kind of weird that you guys have seen or maybe habits that you guys have that relate to finance in that sort of sense? Um, I don't know if I have anything weird just yet. Yeah. I know that will definitely happen. I hope to reach the point where yeah, I have exactly. a whole list of yeah. them. I feel like I need the breadth of knowledge or mm-hmm. even just the depth of knowledge uh, yeah. like Warren Buffett has. The 317, but. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, in terms of, uh, in terms of habits, um, you know, I've gotten in the habit of, you know, just like reading the news from mm-hmm. different news sources yeah. Um, every single morning or every single, you know, during my lunch break, I love to just, you know, sit and read through some articles. Because mm-hmm. um, not only is it good to, you know, understand, you know, what's happening you know, day to day, but for finance, um, you really need to know <laughs> what's yeah. happening. And, and uh, instead of just like, I, what I would used to do is just read the most popular articles of that day and just mm-hmm. try to remember as much as possible. And yeah. I was fi- finding out that I couldn't retain any of that. So focusing more on something that I'll read every day or every few days and see how mm-hmm. is something progressing. So I like yeah, the retail yeah. sector. Mm-hmm. So if I'm only looking at the retail sector every day, yeah. now I have a different understanding of what's happened. Absolutely. We can talk about what's happened in the past couple months, in the quarter, mm-hmm. in the year, as opposed to, oh, just what's happening today. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like building up that habit of, of always like staying informed is something that's yeah. massively important. Like every every sort of like... I don't want to say successful because success is something that's defined by your own personal uh, levels and and personal goals. But every conventionally successful person um, 
they're insane readers. They read all the time. And so building up a habit like that, I think, is massively important, especially if you're going into something like finance. But I think it's massively important just with anything else that you do. Um, so I think, no, I think that's a really, a really good thing is to keep up on news. And one way that might be helpful to do so um, is read the headlines. That's tough. Make sure you get it from multiple sources. Yes. Um, but like if you go into Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg terminals, um, they'll have just an array of headlines for you know mm-hmm. top stories or most recent stories. Um, you know, that could give you an idea of what's happening. Like it might be like mm-hmm. uh, this would be wild, but um, like you know if Elon Musk eventually actually you know finds a way to help Tesla go private. Um, <laughs> yeah. Funding secured. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Funding secured. Tesla goes private. Um, you don't really need to go further into that article mm-hmm. to at least get the understanding of what in the world just happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it would also so interesting about like the world of stocks and, and, and fi- finance and stuff is like something that comes to mind is sort of similar to, to Tesla going private. But when Kylie Jenner was like dissing Snapchat for the new update and their stock actually dipped, yeah. mm-hmm. that's one of the craziest things. Because it's like it's so unpredictable. Yeah, okay. it's just that easy. Yeah. Trump, Trump will tweet, and then the markets will <laughs> completely change. Yeah, shift completely. Yeah, yeah if you, if we could honestly, you know, predict consumer sentiment, you know, <laughs> that would be uh, yeah, that would be the the way to just know everything. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely insane. And and one of the things that I think is interesting too is is from our perspective, we have such a different viewpoint. Yep, I made that pun. Uh, <laughs> we have a different viewpoint on like investing you know yeah. like we as gen zers whatever we like we know what we use all the time we use instagram spotify like snapchat all that kind of stuff and if they were to go public and have that ipo the initial public offering um that would be kind of our window to invest and i i think that that's something that is super interesting about finance is that it can look completely different from two different people's perspectives but you can both have success in that and it's just, I think Gen Z is, you know, generation of, you know, being connected. And this, this also applies for millennials, too, more on the younger side. Um, the world just keeps getting quicker. It speeds mm-hmm. up, you know, with the Internet. You saw how, you know, you'd say if you can send a text versus back, you go back 300 years when we had to take the, uh, the, the, you know, the horse and buggy up to, uh, you know, the next city over yeah. and talk. The carrier um, pigeon. It's just crazy how much quicker the world keeps getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same with information. The more that, uh, you know, information is not very secretive anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with media, you know, vying to cover it in, in every way, shape, and form, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's always, you know, going to be a story. Yeah. There's always something on Wikipedia. There's always something. You just Google it quickly. Um, that information is at your hands. And as we you know, yeah. progress that further and further, I don't know how, but, uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, some 100 years from now, you can even imagine that, you know, there'd be a world of perfect information. Even, mm-hmm. You know, we can think of that way. Yeah. No, and I think that that kind of goes along with this quote that I wanted to bring up, which is, the stock market is a device for transferring money from the impatient to the patient. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean... Warren Buffett quote, right? Yep, yeah. Warren Buffett. Oh, yeah. So his yeah. mentality is very... Um, Trading shouldn't be stressful. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be checking it every five seconds. You should be able to let it sit mm-hmm. and come back to it, and you'll have positive returns. That's his yeah. mentality. And honestly, I think 
he's right. I yeah. mean, if you want a day trade and look at it constantly and yeah. that works for you, I'm not going to tell you otherwise. Mm-hmm. But investing doesn't have to be stressful. Yeah. That's what I would emphasize. I mean, look at, you know, majority of investing is for your like personal investments for your like for your IRAs or um, just really any kind of, you know, vehicle to, you know, save money and, you know, accumulate money as, you know, the future just happens. Yeah. Um, you know, time goes on, you know, the stock market since it's, you know, origination, look at how it is now. I think it is mm-hmm. a dollar invested in like 1940 um, to a dollar, you know, in 2018 is like, oh, I don't want to misquote this, but went from like $1 to $100,000. Yeah. It's, and just it's, look at how time affects money. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for the people that have stuck with us so far, I want to try and give you the best sort of advice that us collectively that we all have uh, on a personal finance level. Um, so what do you think the audience could do today that will benefit them tomorrow? Uh, just get started. Um, find what you enjoy and find what you, you know, like in life and if you want to have finance apply to you know what you enjoy and if it is finance um just be interested in it pursue it look it up you know there's always some vehicle that's going to help you i think i've used vehicle like three times in the last yeah. sentence what about investment a what about mentality and mentality mm-hmm. yeah there's, there's something that out there you know mm-hmm. being connected in the world of you know of, of things that uh, you can just look up online um whether or not they're trusted or not it's a different case but um, you know, honestly, just there's something out there that can help you out. Yeah. Um, you know, and if not, we can certainly, you know, point out some things that, you know, you'd be most interested in. Yeah. Um, just find what you enjoy. That's, that's mm-hmm. really what I'm going to say. Yeah. I think it's kind of coming as a theme now, mm-hmm. but the, to start in personal financial literacy is really to be informed. Yeah. Because if you don't understand those basic concepts that lay your foundation of how, money works and how you can best save for the future, yeah. then you can start developing, okay, mm-hmm. let me look at different asset classes and develop a portfolio, which mm-hmm. I would obviously recommend, but you mm-hmm. can't go from zero to 100. You mm-hmm. have to start small. And another thing is, don't just look at, you know, like, it's tough to really understand what's out there unless you really look into it. So you don't even have to just look at stocks. There are other securities that, you know, that could easily help you. Um, like, mm-hmm. for instance, you look at look, 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 look at a bond. It's something mm-hmm. that's safe. And if you really just want to, you know, save for the future, take stocks, take bonds, find ETF, some other alternative investments. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot out there some that can currencies. help you out. Yeah, some currencies, yeah. you know, make a whole portfolio of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there you go, diversified. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Mitigate the risk, capture that return though. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I want to do before we, we dive into the Hallmark questions, uh, I, I don't know how this popped into my head, but I found a list of the 10 clever stock tickers. Okay. Um, is, what is love on there? I don't know. Well, okay. Number one, we have Hog. It's Harley Davidson. <laughs> yeah. Pretty smart. Uh, Boom, Dynamic Materials Corporation. Okay, okay. Uh, we have Fun, Cedar Fair. Uh <laughs> So that's like Cedar Point and, yeah. and Wild Water Kingdom. We talked about Cedar Point on an earlier episode, so if you haven't <laughs> checked that one out, please go check it out. It's with Will Summers. He's great. Um, Zeus, Olympic Steel. Yeah, there you go. Here, Turtle Beach. That's an audio uh, headphone maker. We have Plow, <laughs> which is Douglas Dynamic. Uh, they manufacture and sell snow and ice control equipment. We have Heine for Heineken. Um... We have GRR Gur for the Asian Tigers Fund. Uh, number nine, we have 
Gib Rattler Industries, uh, which is a limestone sort of industry. And then we have Ben for Franklin Resources. Oh, and I'll throw out an 11th there. Okay. So I, I'm assuming everyone's going to know what Southwest Airline is. Um, but they have an entire, uh, like their entire culture is, is focused around, you know, caring and, you know, being transparent for one of the big things. Mm-hmm. Um, but their stock ticker is love, L-U-V. Um, oh. And it just kind of highlights, you know, who they are as a company. Absolutely. Um, and I know that's, that's always been one of the, uh, the, at least the top 10, maybe not for them, but uh, for yeah. the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. personal top 10. Uh-huh. Um, awesome. So... Right now, I think we are going to start to move into the Hallmark questions, the case study, as I like to call it. Uh, I, these are all these are all my favorite questions, but all the guests get sort of <laughs> sort of um, well, antsy. Yeah, so we'll see, we'll see. We'll start with a we'll start with uh, a hard one, and then we'll, oh. we'll, we will continue on <laughs> like to some easier that. ones. Uh, so, what is one thing that you believe that you think others wouldn't agree with you? Um, well, Donald and I, we've already touched on this a yeah. lot. We both really think finance gets a bad reputation. Yeah. Um, especially having said that there is so much more than people really consider and what's mm-hmm. on the news when you're only looking at fraud in a company like Wells Fargo yeah. and not all of the different sides to finance and how it could be personally involved in your own life. I think that people don't realize the benefits of it. Yeah, I think in all honesty, finance does benefit society on all levels. Now, mm-hmm. in that being said, it does cause uh, harm as well, though. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, actually, if you can throw another lesson out there, just mm-hmm. keep in mind that um, just money in general, finance is a zero-sum game. Whatever you get, someone's losing. So keep yeah. that in mind. Maybe, you know, they're getting something else. So maybe they're, you know, mm-hmm. buying a, you know, a doctor, like a Dr. Pepper at, a, at Wawa or something. You know, they're getting something out of it and you're getting the money as well. But... Yeah. Um, for investments in particular, you know, someone's losing something. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, the whole idea of, um, like someone's winning and someone's losing or sorry, no, no, no. It's, uh, there's good and bad to it. Yeah. I just had like the mental image of like an untrained puppy. Like it's super <laughs> cute, but like, you know, it's going to poop yeah. all over your house. <laughs> right. It's it is something, you and you're okay train. with that. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a risk that you're comfortable yeah, with. It's a risk. negative NPV. <laughs> yeah, but you can choose to accept that project. Yeah, even absolutely. though it's even probably it's not, not zero. even oh. yeah, even though it's not really going to benefit you yeah. investment wise, you do it for your personal. Or you can say utility. that you know in the future, just your happiness is. Uh, oh yeah. In down the line, ten years from now, it's true. Um, then it's a positive. Can't NPV. put a price on it. Absolutely, puppy love. All right. Also, if, NPV stands for net present value. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give uh, in, in the show notes. I'll give I'll give some um, some terms that we can break down so that you guys can follow along. A dictionary. Yeah. Um, moving on to the next one. If you could reverse one failure, which one would you choose, and how do you think it would affect you? Um. Um. I mean, my biggest thing is I when I was younger. Um, this is gonna sound kind of cocky, but um. I was really good at memorizing things. So when it came to school, I was really good at, at, at you know, at taking tests, and, mm-hmm. and it just came easy to me being able to memorize um, some certain way you, you solve a problem. Or uh, um, back when school was you know easy, um, you know being able to memorize uh, important dates or important characters in history. Um, but I didn't really apply myself, uh, and I thought I, I think I lost a lot of growth potential um, mm-hmm. by just not starting you know to find my own drive when I was younger. Yeah. Like um, you know. I've since then found my drive and, you know, I have a lot of care about what I want to do in the future, but, you know, losing that when I was younger um, could have lost a lot of, you know, development or progress that we, uh, I could have had today. And I think that's definitely um, 
Um, yeah, I think that's definitely it. One thing I take back is finding that drive. Yeah. But it's never too late to find that drive. Absolutely. Uh, I would say for me, I think I went a lot of time, and I still do this, is I kind of expect myself to be average. And through mm-hmm. self-reflection, I'm realizing that I should expect to be better than that. Yeah. And then if I become, if I end up average, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But I think expecting more for myself, kind of holding myself to a higher standard. Yeah. Because I always give this kind of caveat of, you know, if I'm talking about, oh, I got this internship or like any kind of success that I'm really proud of mm-hmm. when I'm telling someone, I'm like, oh, but I'm still learning though. Or, oh, it's, it's mm-hmm. not that big of a deal. Like I really downplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talk about this. I have a mentor who said, she sent me an article about the importance of just saying thank you. Mm-hmm. If someone says that's a great shirt. Mm-hmm. Just say thank you. Don't say, oh, I got it on sale. Like, it's not, yeah, you know, yeah, don't yeah, give yeah, your yeah, caveat. Yeah. I do that, but with, like, my accomplishments. And yeah. I'm realizing that makes me portray myself yeah. in not the highest regard. So yeah. I think just seeing myself in a better light. Absolutely. And, I, I, like, with anything that you're you're trying to pursue, it all starts in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you have to have that that mental dialogue that you're saying and that you believe in yourself. You know, like, you, you can't progress further when you hit hardships without your mind being like, okay, I'm going to overcome this and I'm going to, I'm going to understand and and beat this, you know? Uh, so I think that's a great thing that you, that you've kind of taken in about yourself and and started to understand. Um, moving on to a lighter one. What's the best book that you've read today? Yeah, you've hit, you, you're good for now. I'll say the list, it gets better, but like, like I I thought about this one a lot because I, when I was younger, I used to read a lot, a mm-hmm. lot, a lot, a lot. But, you know, to say it not thinking coevally, my favorite book is easily Percy Jackson and the Titan's Curse. <laughs> Yo! First night, I was a big fan of that. First, I night, loved first, Percy first day Jackson. I got that, I read that all in, like, like I was stay up till 3 a.m., you know, when I was a kid reading it. <laughs> um, but if right now, if I were to read that book again, the only thing I really probably feel is nostalgia. Yeah. Um, so... As of right now, my favorite book, if I were to read it again today, would be To Kill a Mockingbird. That might be a little love cliche, that book. Um, but I certainly love um, you know, just the theme um, you know, yeah. uh, you know, behind the book. And, mm-hmm. and the story is also yeah. amazing. Definitely. My, my uh, favorite book is The Kite Runner. Mm. Have you guys read that? I have not read it, no. It's, um, it takes place in um, Afghanistan. It's really, mm-hmm. really tugs at the heartstrings, but mm-hmm. amazing story. I didn't have to read it for school. I've met kids that had mm-hmm. to read it mm-hmm. in high school, but I think if I had to read it in high school, I would have felt differently because yeah, they definitely. always find a way to ruin books. But oh, yeah. I well, personally, I've read The Kite Runner mm-hmm. more than a couple times. Yeah, contrived story. learning is not fun. Yeah. I, I would have to say 1984. Okay. I like... It was something about that, how it just, like, it created a world that seemed so different, but it drew so many parallels to, like, our actual life. And I reread it, like, a year ago, and the amount of parallels that have stayed the same or even kind of taken more of an effect is wild. And I think that's the best part about books is um, it takes a lot of truth behind it, a lot of, you yeah. know, what's happening in the world, but it, it throws in a different story, something that, you know, mm-hmm. you can latch onto without it being... Let me th- like throw up a history book, for example. Like mm-hmm. uh, if I'm just reading through, uh, you know, I thought, remember my uh, I was reading had to read one for spring break back in in high school mm-hmm. um, called oh, what was it called? It was some Love and Hate in Jamestown. Okay. Um, where the book itself was extremely interesting, and I love history a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but compared to when um, you know, on your own in your own um, on your own you know kind of agenda when you want to read the book itself, you know. Mm-hmm. No way, I completely missed my theme. We were talking about 
how it applies to real life. Wow, okay. <laughs> Went a little tangent there. Um, I digress. Okay. Um, but it really just applies to real life. You know, it, it takes the, 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 the story, it takes a theme that, you know, as applies to real life and just mm -hmm. covers it up with a, di with a little bit of makeup with yeah. a different story. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that yeah. kind of goes back to our conversation, like our conversation way before about how like patterns that like you can find patterns because it, everything's cyclical, you mm -hmm. know, like, yeah. You know, bell-bottom jeans back in like the '90s <laughs> or something, yeah, right? Back. They're coming, coming back. back. Yeah. Like back. life is cyclical. Like look for that. trends. Look yeah, kind of look for the trends. Yeah, fanny packs. That's yeah. a thing now, mm -hmm. but they just put them around their shoulders. Are they ironic? Are they not? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't Doesn't matter. They're back. They're back. They're back with a vengeance. <laughs> uh, if you could describe your life in one Netflix show or movie, or if you could identify with one character that you'd see in like a Netflix show, who do you think it would be? For me, uh, I'm really into stand-up. Like, I do watch like, Netflix oh, shows. I but love stand-up. Have you seen Sebastian Maniscalco? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, mm -hmm. his stand-up special, Aren't You Embarrassed, <laughs> is personally my favorite piece of comedy stand-up. Yeah. So I want to say I associate with him just because he makes me laugh until I cry. <laughs> yeah. But he is extremely relatable, and I do associate. As well as, like, he's, he has this one bit that I will never get over. He says that he was talking about how immigrants instill work ethic in you. Mm -hmm from the young age, and yeah, that's correct. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he says that I was eight years old, watching cartoons in the living room on a Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. My dad would come in and look at me and be like, hey, go start a business. <laughs> yeah. I, that's so relatable. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Big fan. He's, oh, he's so good. Yeah, like, he's my so cousin introduced me. He's so funny. <laughs> funny. My whole family loves him. Yeah. Um, Donald, do you have a, a show, movie, character? Yes. One of my favorite um, TV shows is Psych. It's not on Netflix <sighs> anymore. But when it was, now it's on Hulu? Amazon Hulu? Prime. Amazon Prime? Prime? I don't think it's on Hulu. It might be Prime. Yeah, Somewhere. It be Prime. It's um, out there. I still watch it. Don't remember where it is. Somehow, I'll <laughs> find it again. Um, but I really... Getting to know me, I love thinking. Like, just thinking, facing dilemmas, you know, attempting to solve a problem. Even mm -hmm. if it's small, even if it's stupid. Um, I get that from, you know, a lot of my family. Um, mm -hmm. a, a story about my, my great uncle, uh, who played an important part of my life. He always looked at a bottle of water. <laughs> it's, it's so simple. Like, it's just a bottle of water designing Aquafina. Mm -hmm. Um, but he'd always wondered how they made it. It's, yeah. it's just the idea of the natural curiosity of life that, mm -hmm. you know, that story sticks with me today. Um, and, you know, my untamable curiosity for the why behind life, you know, fits in very well with Sean Spencer's, like, yeah. Um, why behind what happened in this um, in this problem? What happened in this in this case? Mm -hmm. um, just the natural curiosity. It's tough to not want to solve <laughs> yeah. solve some mysteries. Absolutely. I guess Scooby Doo kind of a, oh a big big fan of Scooby Doo as yeah. well for the same reason. Nancy <laughs> <laughs> <he> Drew. <laughs> yeah, all of those. Um, well, the next one I was gonna say it kind of relates to Scooby Doo, but they don't have oh. superpowers, uh, so I guess not. Scooby's um, a talking dog. I mean, if that is a superpower. Um, so, the next question is if you could have, like, a B-list superpower. So that's essentially, like, for, for me, the one that I always use is, like, if I had the ability to change every street light to green when I was driving, so I wouldn't have to one. wait at them. Or we had a, a guest that had a really great one, which was, like, I could speak any language fluently. Mm. Stuff like that. So, like, not anything that is, like, so monumental, like, I can fly or, like, laser beams come out of my fingernails. Like, stuff like that. Like... So, cool like, a step down, you know? Yeah. I would say, um, and this is, they're going to laugh at me, is that to be able to read minds, because, Ooh, like, you guys yeah. know that I like to be very upfront with <laughs> everything. 
And if I could just know what people are thinking, I wouldn't yeah. have to take as much time to talk <laughs> to talk through what they want to share and don't want to. Yeah, I think my ability uh, would be to memorize whatever I read or hear uh, or see because you know, in a quick world, you, uh, for instance, when Steffi was like, where I'd try and like figure out and like memorize every single detail of, of reading an article, um, and then do that five more times. You know, mm -hmm. if I could read a book, uh, you know, be able to take lessons and draw lessons from that book. Um, not forgetting them, or to f if I'm reading an article, not to forget um, any of the details. Um, it would be a great way just to, you know, kind of quench my natural curiosity and kind of, yeah. um, you know, who doesn't want to memorize? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is the last one, and this is probably my most favorite question. Um, so imagine you're in New York City or any place that has a million billboards, but I think of Times Square, you know, as a marketing major, like prime advertising. Um, but if you had the ability to put ev like your message on every single screen in Times Square for a single day, what do you think you would put on that billboard? Mine screams, in caps, make sure this is in caps, do not look at this billboard. What's the first thing you're going to do when it tells you how to do something? You're already looking at it, you're not going to not look, keep looking at it. Yeah. Um, it's the, it's the idea of that, again, natural curiosity. Why is it telling me not to look at this billboard? Yeah. Uh, you want to know why. Um, you know, curiosity killed the cat. Um, but if, I, if my company uh, needs any advertising, I'm going to tell them not to look at a billboard. Yeah. And they're going to look at it. It's kind of like anti-advertising. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of, uh, yeah, exactly. Interesting. Interesting. What about you, I Steffi? Say, I don't have, like, an image in mind, so I guess I would go with more like a quote Yeah, like or a something. phrase or something, yeah. Right. Yeah, the one that I've always kind of stuck by is, uh, do something or be someone that your, f like, future self will thank you for. Yeah. That's how I try to, like, yeah. live with, like, every... When I say, like, be intentional, it's mm -hmm. what am I doing right now that later on I'm going to look back and be like, I'm glad that I made those decisions. Yeah, so. absolutely. No, I feel like my billboard isn't wholesome enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> You're just less special. Sorry, Don. I get it. Um, <laughs> kidding, kidding. Um, no, but one of the things that came to mind when you said that, I, I remember Matthew McConaughey... McConaughey uh, gave a speech when he won his Academy Award a few years ago, mm -hmm. uh, and he was talking about the one thing that motivates him is not the man he is today, not the man he was before, but the guy that he's chasing. Mm -hmm. You know, like you, like the the thing that you have to work towards is not is not who you are now. You're not working on what you're doing now. You're working on the person that you want to become tomorrow. Right. You know, and like for me, that was like just thinking of it in that perspective like that's so motivating like i know and i think everyone knows that's listening like you know where you want to be you have that dream and if not hopefully this podcast will help you figure that out but you you have something that you're trying to go after and and that's what you got to be chasing you know like it's it's great to have mentors and, and people that are that are helping you shape uh shape that path that you're going along but when it comes down to it at the end of the day you're chasing after who you want to become it's yeah, different. Exactly. In, instead of going, okay, what do I need to do? I want to do certain things. Mm -hmm. That's separate perspective of how can I strategically yeah. make like my future better than my current situation. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, I think that kind of puts a great cap on things. Yeah, absolutely. That don't was like so <laughs> motivating. Yeah, don't look at my billboard. Um, but no, thank you guys so much for taking the time to sit down and, and talk about finance and and the the technical aspects of it but also the unbelievable amount of real life applicability yeah. of it and and how it just transfers to everything in life so i i really thank you guys so much for for taking the time 
Um, and I'm sure the audience thanks you as well because this was this was absolutely amazing. Yeah, well, thank, thank you, you for having too. us, and thank you, audience, for listening. <laughs> um, so thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of Viewpoint. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed, uh, and honestly, ch check out finance. It's it's something that you're not going to be dis disappointed with, uh, and it's something that you can kind of just bring into your life, and and you just won't uh, you won't regret it. So thank you for listening to this episode. I'll see you in the next one. Thank you guys so much for tuning into another episode of Viewpoint. I, I really appreciate all the support that you guys have given me thus far. Um, and I can't wait to see where everything with this goes. We're growing day by day. Uh, and, and those analytics that you see, that you don't see, that I see, just it, every episode is getting better and better. And that's not only accredited to the guests, but that's accredited to the listeners. So thank you so much for all the support. I, it's, it's hard to put into words how much I appreciate hearing all of the great responses that I get from people uh, saying that they love the podcast and they want to be on it or they want me to keep keeping up with it. And it's, it's super great. Um, so thank you. I, I really, really appreciate it. At this point, I'm just waiting till the, the time runs out on this, uh, this exit song. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I'll see you next time. Have a good one.